Hello everyone and welcome to the KC at the Movies podcast for December 10th, 2018. This was supposed to come out on Thursday, so sorry about the uh, the lateness, but I um, wanted to include the Golden Globe noms, Golden Globe noms in the uh, podcast for a little bit of extra time. And we'll be talking about those later, so there's a lot of things, you know, I've got a lot of feelings about it. <laughs> about, uh, you know, the, the nominees. A couple of snubs that I'm not happy with. Uh, but, you know, that it's like every year. It happens every year. Um, and we'll definitely be talking about that. Was Ethan Hawke snubbed? Was Tony Collette snubbed? Yes to both of those, but we'll we'll dig deeper with that um, later on in the show. Before I do that, before I talk about Golden Globe nominations... I got movies to talk about. Creed 2 and Widows. Uh, I believe that is all I need to talk about. There might be something else. Um, I did I did watch... Oh, I did watch The Ballad of Buster Scruggs as well, but that'll be a short one because I don't really think much of it. Um, but I, got, I definitely got around to watching that one as well. Um, but what I'll start off with, I'll start off with Creed 2. Because um, I, that was the first one I watched. And it makes sense to go in that order. So, Creed 2, directed by Stephen Cable Jr., not uh, Ryan Coogler this time. He has decided to either make Black Panther 2 or just decided to not to be involved, but he still sat on as a producer, I believe. And he handpicked the director for the next Creed film. And that director was a film school buddy of his, Stephen Cable Jr. And, uh,. It was asked to come on, direct it, and now we have Creed 2. Or, as people like to call it, Creed 11. But it's uh, just Creed 2. Creed 2 is about, um, again, about Adonis Creed, Apollo's Creed's son, who is challenged to fight um, Ivan Drago's son, Victor Drago. And Ivan Drago was in Rocky IV, I believe. And he killed, actually killed Apollo Creed in the ring. So, um, it's a bit of a, there's a bit of bad, bad blood there. There's maybe some redemption for Adonis. Um, and we, um, you know, you see what happens in the film. And you've also got Rocky, um, is there as well. And his little arc that I liked as well. This movie was, um, this movie reminded me of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Now, that is not to say, not to, you know, um... How do I word this? It's it's not to say that it's not it's not a bad thing, um, because I do believe the first one is superior to the second Guardians of the Galaxy. However, I'm not. I never said. I think I don't know if I talked about it yet on this podcast, but I I've never said that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two is a bad film. It's just it meanders every now and then, and um, some things there just could have been. I don't know. Something could have been done a bit better. I think. But that's not even to take away the character development and the emotional weight that was in that film. Now, it's the same with Creed 2. I would, I love the character development in this film. And again, the emotion behind it. Um, everything, you know, everything that these boxes, I guess, or people, really, um, 
you know, it, everything uh, doesn't really... It, their arc is complete, I believe, after this one. I'll say that. Um, you know, Donnie's just coming off that loss against... Um, I believe it was Ricky Conlon in the first one. Um, he's coming off that loss um, even though he technically didn't... He lost the fight, but he won the night. I think they said in the end of the film. He lost the fight, but he won the night. He's coming off. He's, he's now created a name for himself. Um, not just Hollywood, as I think he was called in the first one, but he's Adonis Creed now. He's fighter, he's proved himself, and he is uh, the champion. So, what happens is, uh, Victor Drago's son, I mean, Ivan Drago's son, Victor Drago, challenges him to a fight, there's some past there, there's a nice little scene between Ivan Drago and Rocky Balboa in the uh, Adrian's restaurant about that kind of thing and it's it's not much dialogue being said there but it's all it's very it's very um but I, you, like you get exactly what's going on and you know the the weight behind um this fight that they want to set up and that's like mostly what is like going on in this film it's a lot more it's definitely a lot it's it's got it's a bit slower. It's not as punchy as the first Creed. It doesn't have the the like Kugler's just like kind of flashy, uh, like zingy direction. I don't know if that's a fucking weird way to say it, but like obviously it's not going to feel as fresh because Creed felt very like a like a reinvigoration of a boxing film or a sports film. Um. Creed 2 is pretty much just, it's more of the same, but it's has it really has a lot more character development um, in, in it, especially with Adonis and um, Bianca, who's played beautifully again by Tessa Thompson. God, I love her. And as I mentioned before, Rocky Balboa has a really good arc um, with his son that, um, you know, I don't really need to get into much about, but that's, I will just say it's a nice, it's a really good arc. Um, I liked, I liked the fights in this film, I think, like, you're not going to get what you got in the first movie, like, the one take, you're not going to get that kind of, uh, choreography and that kind of, um, how to film a fight like that, but I still think Stephen Cable Jr. had a, was very competent in, in making a satisfying fight scene. Um, especially with that last fight between Creed and uh, Drago. Very good fight. I think that... I, I honestly think that would fight would be better, if not on par with the last fight in Creed 1. Um, but technically speaking, I don't think anything's going to beat the one take in Creed 1. Technically speaking. But this fight in this in this film... Actually, I'm going to say it's, I think it's better than one. Um, technically, again, Creed 1's last fight is really good. There's a lot There's a lot more kind of fast-mo, slow-mo in this fight, which I think was sometimes a bit overused, but at the same time, didn't really mind. Um, but, I don't know, just watching watching that fight and knowing what these both of these men are fighting for, you've got, you know, Adonis and Bianca having a kid, What's that kid going to be like? Um, you know, how... 
he's pretty much pushing he's pushing a lot of people away because he wants to um you know he doesn't want to lose this title he doesn't want to lose to a drago he doesn't he, he feels like he'd be letting he'd be letting his father down if he lost to drago the person who killed apollo uh that's just my interpretation anyway But he has a he has a, he has a really he's a really great uh, not monologue but like a scene in this film that I is one of the it's just one of the best lines of the year I think um, and I can't really quote it verbatim but um, he says something along the lines of like well you you like music and you're passionate about that and you you can't stop doing that. Well, that's me with uh, fighting. I can't stop fighting. Fighting is like, you know, fight, fighting is my life and I can't stop fighting. And um, it's just, it's a really cool line about passion, really, for a specific thing. Um, and that just reminded me again with like filmmaking and everything like that. That's just, if, you know, I've got nothing to do there. If I never, never talk about movies, you know, that's, I can't stop doing that because that's what I enjoy doing. So that that line really stuck with me, um, and then just everything. I want to talk about the villains for a second. The Dragos, like, really good. I didn't think they'd get as much emotional depth as they thought I, as I, as I thought they would get in this film. And I was pleasantly surprised that we learnt not too much about them, but we, we, we I, I knew exactly what the Dragos were fighting for, and. I didn't want to, um, you know, I, I didn't want to go in there assuming that, like, oh, well, they're just going to be these big bad guys and, you know, Creed's going to fight them. But then there's a lot more in the line here. There's a lot more, there's shame, disappointment, um, you know, not living up to a family legacy. And uh, the guy who plays Victor Drago, I'm not too sure of the actor's name, but the guy who plays him, he's he doesn't say much and he's very understand his performance but he you know exactly what he's fighting for you know exactly what he wants to do he wants to prove himself he wants to prove himself not to him not to only to himself to his father Ivan and his especially his mother I believe um well I definitely got to his mother because of that certain um aspect in it but um <clears throat> and that's what I just really enjoyed about those fights and and, and going back to um technicality um like technically technical filmmaking rise I mean uh, there's a instead of using the one take there's a cool there's some cool POV shots especially in the early parts of the film with Drago there's some cool POV shots there again I'm saying he uses I said he uses the fast most slow a bit too much but I still kind of a pre I, I kind of liked what I got anyway and there's really no way that you can really unless you want to go something for really big but there's no way you can, at, you know, you don't really want to top what Kugler did in the first one. Well, you want to try, like, you want to try to make the film just as good as it can be, but um, filmmaking-wise, in that, with that one-take fight, I don't know what you can do to really better, make a better fight than that one. Now, you could probably add some... Uh, other other things to it or different angles, but like I just think that that one type fight was a really good feat in technical filmmaking, especially you, you know in terms of one takes. 
Um, and that that was my attitude um, before going in. Then I was like, nothing's going to be that one take. Well, just the last fight. No, it doesn't beat the one take, but emotionally speaking, um, it's a very heavy. It's it, There's a lot of weight behind it. Again, I'll use that word, weight. There's a lot of weight behind that fight because both fighters are trying to prove themselves. They're, both fighters are fighting for something that they truly believe in, that they're, they, are, they both want to win, first of all. They both want to win. But they're fighting for... Like, I didn't even have to see, like, I, I, I kind of, you know, you, 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 I don't know, I don't know how to say it, you, you find out throughout the film, like, you know exactly what Adonis is fighting for, and you're not, you're not, you're, you're not blindly rooting for Adonis, there, there, there we go, you're not, you're not just saying, okay, oh, I get it, I, I, I've spent one movie with this person, I get his journey and everything, and now I get another, another, another film where I want him to win, I want him to win all of his fights. And then you get Victor Drago, for example, coming in, thinking that he's a big bad, but you get more a lot of emotional depth and a lot more scenes with him and his, his father. That you're kind of just like, not fully one-sided anymore. You're, you're kind of just like, oh, well, I know what he's fighting for, I know what he's fighting for. And that that's what makes it, in my opinion, a really great fight in the end. Um, <clears throat> but I won't get into too, you know, I won't spoil what happens, obviously. But it's just a really great fight. I have to say how, how great he handled, how Cable Jr. handled that fight and how he developed these characters in this film. Because it was, it was, it was so good. Really, really well done. And as a, you know, as a young filmmaker myself, I am inspired by that because he comes from, um... You know, he, he made a he made a film I think a while ago and it got into Sundance and it hasn't even um, come out yet. And I believe it's called Tall Something Lands. Something Lands. Let me just The Land. That's it, the land. So that came out at Sundance. And then it's just insane that you make that small indie film and then your friend Ryan Coogler, who is Ryan Coogler, says, I want you to handle Creed 2. So, you know, you're probably just thinking all these emotions. Like, you're like, oh, have, you know, first of all, we have these iconic characters that we need to carry along. That we need to, you know, give them an arc, give them a good finish. Um, if you want to finish it. And then... How are we gonna and, and and again? How are we gonna match up to what the first one brought to the table? And I just think he did a great job. I think he did a really, really great job. And it's it's very a very satisfying tone to watch. I think after especially after watching it and after seeing this arc of of Donny uh, with his family, with what he's been through, professional wise. Just everything he's been through. This whole arc that has been formed over these two films. I think this should be the last Creed. Um, also with Rocky Balboa's arc as well. Yeah, I just don't think... That you could probably go places. You could you could definitely go places with... You know, there's other things you could do with the character. But I just don't think that it would be as impactful as what he has gone through in this film here. And is what he went through in Creed Two, uh, Creed One. 
He's, I feel like his arc is over. It's, it's complete. I'm very satisfied with it. I don't need anything more. But the film is making a lot of money at the moment. Now, it's not winning box office, but it's making... It's already made... I guess it's... I don't know if it's made... It's all this... My... Um, I should really check the box, the box office mojo. But I'm just saying, if it is making the money it's making, um, what people are talking about it's making, it, they, I'm worried that they will make a Creed 3, and I don't know what we get in it. I don't know what you'd do with the character. Again, there's things you could do, but there is not... Um, there's things you could do, but like there's, it's just better if you leave it, because I think it's if if you were to finish it with this, it's it's really great. It's really great if they just they just tied that bow and just said that's it, that's the creed, um, that's the creed arc, and that's that's it. Just a, just a, um, a a movie and a sequel, maybe not a trilogy, because just how everything's everything how just everything. How everything was left. Bloody my fucking mouth is trying to catch up with me here. My thoughts. Uh, how everything was left in this film is just perfect. In a, in a way, yeah, perfect. And very satisfying. And I just don't think there is anywhere to go after this. Anywhere you need to go. I think it's been a left and a good. Again, they've tied a nice bow and they've just said that's it. And uh, if Cable Journey comes on again to do it, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. But again, I just don't know what you would do with this character. Because I just feel like this was the a great finish. This is the this is a very satisfying end. Again. Um, yeah. <clears throat> Those are my thoughts. Um, there's something else I wanted to mention as well, but I'm not too sure if I have forgotten about that recently. Just like check here. <clears throat> also, you can probably tell my voice has been fucking fucking up. Um, I haven't. I'm got a cold. There's just something over my throat. I went out on Thursday night to my graduation and uh, got got a little drunk. And uh, yeah, I, I was yelling a lot, yelling a lot, singing. I guess too, maybe. And. Uh, I don't sound... I was like, oh, I've got no... You know, I can't really... Some words, I'll get a bit of a testy pop on. And it's happening more often than I thought it would. So I was like, oh... Am I, I'm not sick, because I don't feel sick. I've got, like, a bit of a thing on the nose, but, like, that's... I don't know, that's, that's something that can go away pretty much straight away, but... Uh, you know, I... I wasn't sure what it was. And it's, it's not like tonsillitis or anything, because otherwise I'd be in incredible amount of pain. But, uh, I don't know, it's just shit in my throat that I need to get rid of. Or my, yeah. Just some, just some phlegm I need to get rid of, because it's, it always comes up and fucks up with my voice. <coughs> so I need to, yeah. Cough a bit to clear it out. Uh, hopefully it goes away soon. It's, it's not annoying, but like every now and then it'll, it'll, it'll happen and it'll make my voice sound all horsey and shit. I'm like, fuck off. I don't need this shit right now, really. Um, I can't find the fucking... I can't find the thing. Can't find the fucking thing. There it is. Now, I just want to look at more... Oh, the server's unavailable. Okay. Alright. Let's try to tap into my letterbox to see the review. Because <laughs> uh, I might... There's a bit... There's a... 
way more articulated, uh, better articulated review up on my letterboxd. Um, this is just, these are just my real thoughts. Oh my god, that's a big cockroach! <laughs> Holy fuck! Jesus Christ, come out of nowhere. Um, yeah, it's a lot. It's just be better worded, I guess. This is just like raw thoughts and coming out, flooding out. Because um, I didn't really write those ones down. Widows, I did have written down, but they're just points I can just um, extend on. Uh, but yeah, definitely go see Creed 2 if you love Creed 1. Um, it's a very, very, very good sequel. Um, it's, it's just as good as the first. We've had a lot of good sequels lately. Um, is that is that again this year? I remember last year we had a few good sequels. Is that happening again this year? I fucking hope so. Because there's ones that disappoint and then you get these really rare, solid sequels. Incredibles 2 was a great sequel as well. Um, so, yeah, definitely check it out if you like... If you like sports movies, you want to check this one out. I mean, definitely check out the first one before you go see this one. But, um, yeah. I recommend Creed 2. Go see it. It's one of the best movies I've seen in November. I saw it in November, even though it's December now. One of the best movies I've seen um, in November. And maybe one of the best of the year. I don't know if it's going to make top 10. Who knows? It's getting to the time of year where I'm starting to formulate my list and trying and like rewatching films and everything and just like trying to put into, you know, put into the pieces together and just be like okay this is the list this is the list is forming slightly um but anyway I'll work that out later I guess so moving on from Creed 2 to Widows now Widows is directed by Steve McQueen written by co-written I think as well with Gillian Flynn who gave us Gone Girl and also gave us the series Sharp Objects and, and also she did there's another book, there's another film on her book that Charlie Theron was in that I don't, uh, I saw once and I just forgot about it because it was on, it was pretty much pretty forgettable, called Dark Places. Um, it was, yeah, it was okay. It was no Gone Girl, <laughs> I'll say that. And I haven't really, I haven't watched Sharp Objects, so I can't really comment on anything like that. I just love Amy Adams, I'm definitely going to go watch it. And um, Gone Girl was great too. So, when I heard that Gillian Flynn was working with Steve McQueen to do a kind of remake of an old TV series, very intrigued. And then, I saw the cast. Now, let's get this out of the way. Viola Davis, Michelle Rodriguez, Liam Neeson, and um, who I actually really like, Elizabeth Debicki. Um, very strong female cast here. Very strong. And that is pretty much your anchor point for the film. Is this... Just this rock-solid female cast. And their performances are just great. Um, before we get into that, what's the plot of it, obviously? So... Uh, Viola Davis, if you haven't seen the trailer, Viola Davis has a husband who's Liam Neeson. He um, dies in an accident. And in a bank heist gone wrong, he, he gets killed. And uh, she is uh, asked to take on his next job, which is probably, his la I think, his last job. And uh, he, she starts to take on that job, and then she recruits these ladies, and I'll just, that's all I'm saying. So pretty much, you've got a heist film with... 
four girls and another little surprise little thing later. Um, is she on the cover? I'm not too sure if she is, but I don't want to talk about her. Because I think I thought she was a nice surprise. I didn't even know she was in the film, but she was a nice surprise. She came in later. Uh, but you you got your you got your three ladies here. You got your Viola Davis, Michelle Rodriguez, and Elizabeth Debicki. First of all, I love Viola Davis. Everything she's in, she just commands the screen. And her performances are always just I don't know. You always remember her performances. You always remember her moments in the film, whatever film she's in, because of how just her presence on screen is just so commanding. And and not even not in a bad way. It's just like commanding is is like look at this force on screen. And uh, definitely that's that's what she does even um, more in this film. Um, she was really really good. I also really love Michelle Rodriguez. She was really good in this film. You, you, you know, I can't really know her from a few action films, and then you've got Fast and the Furious franchises, Letty. Um, and she's always like kind of like the. You know, the one of the boys kind of girl, and she, you know, does she does uh, these other kind of unknown action flicks um, that not many people know of, but she's in them. And she's always like the the action, you know. She'll kick your ass, pretty much. She'll kick your ass, and that's great. But in this film, it's like her, it's like she was uh, flipped. And she, in this film, she owns like a dress shop, and uh, her husband obviously is a. Um, not obviously, but husband is a, you know, he's not a great dude. He treats her like shit sometimes. And, uh, she's trying to run this dress shop with her two children. I believe it's two. I believe it's two. I mean, it's two. Yeah. Her two children. And, uh, you know, she's not really getting any help. And then you've got Elizabeth Debicki, whose husband is... Um, sometimes get, gets angry at her. Her mother beats her as well. She gets treated like shit on the daily. And then she becomes just every... She had some really great lines in this film. And some really great scenes. And she's also just so powerful and understated. And she just... It just, it just I don't know. You don't want to use the word badass, but you got it. Because these ladies kick ass in this film. Um, she's, she was just really, like, you're, you know her as, like, the pretty chick, and she's the, you know, um, you know, she's, like, the prima donna, she's the princess, um, she's the, from Guardians, even from talking about Guardians 2 before, she's the foreign, is it the sovereign? Sovereign, I think it was. The sovereign from Guardians 2, the sovereign queen, she's all, you know, gold and shit. <laughs> uh, but she is just, like, not dirty, but, like, she's just, like, just going through shit, getting treated like shit, just fucking emotion, um, emotionally torn, really, and then Viola Davis, who's this strong woman, is constantly doubting herself throughout the film, asking if this is the right move, but at the same time, being in control, her character is, like, in control, but, like, you can see kind of what's going on underneath. Like, she has... There's, there's genuine fear. There's, there's genuine confusion sometimes. And there's even... And there's a lot of doubt. A lot of self-doubt. And that's what I love what Steve McQueen did with these roles. It's like he flipped their normal thing. I keep flicking my fingers. I got a cut on my finger. And it fucking hurts. Sorry, that was a bit... 
I keep clicking my finger and I've got like this massive cut on my finger and I shouldn't be clicking it. Um, st long story short, um, just cut my finger, really cut my finger pretty badly at work and it, every time I touch it, it, it hurts. <laughs> but I don't normally want to go around like bumping it on things and everything, but like I keep, I keep trying to click and it's my finger, I'm clicking like my, obviously my thumb and my index. Um, and then it's hitting that finger with the cut on it. And every time it goes down, when I click, it goes down, hits the cut. And then it's shit. <laughs> it just doesn't feel good. So I've got to stop doing that. Um, yeah, I loved what McQueen did with these. With what we with what uh expect with these ladies. What, what's the role they're going to play? Oh, she's going to play this. She's going to play that. She's going to play that. He subverts all expectations with these women. And with this film as well. Now, Steve McQueen's usually renowned for doing some really, um, kind of not, I'm just, like, not a studio drama. I'm going to say that. Not a studio drama. This is definitely a very commercial studio film. Um, he's pretty much, I guess, his first foray into it. My favorite thing, my favorite film of his is Shame, with Michael Fassbender. And that's definitely not a studio film. Um, in, t in the, in the, you know, with the commas. Um, that's definitely my favorite of his, cause just because of everything in that film, the scenes, the dialogue, the characters, Curry Mulligan's character especially. And this film was, it, it does, it's a bit more commercial. Um, I'll say that, but it's also still got his style and his flair. It's still a Steve McQueen film. And um, I love it. I just love his style. And he's just like... From the, man, from the opening scene, I was just hooked from the opening scene. There is not one point in this movie where I was a bit bored. There may be a few scenes they could have whittled down, but that's about it for me. And there's actually, there's one scene that was weird, but I'll get to that in a minute. But I was just hooked from the opening scene. There's So it, it starts off with... Viola Davis, and she's kissing her husband Liam Neeson, and they're just, you know, they're they're just kissing each other. They're just uh, making out. Quite passionately, really. Quite passionately. And then there's just this hard cut to this, like, car going down the road, getting, um, you know, speeding down the road, cop cars coming after it, shot, 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 shot at. And I'll just tell you what, the sound design and, and editing in that scene especially was fucking flawless. So fucking good. Oh my god. The sound of the design in the whole film is great, but that scene just hooked me. It reminds me of this the beginning of um, Ten Cloverfield Lane with the car crash and then the like all that loudness and then silence for the for the titles. Back to the loudness, la 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 la. And just that contrast from that extreme contrast from silence to very loud ha things happening. It kind of it, it, it kind of catches you off guard, and it does give you a bit of a jump scare as well. Um, and then, but at the same time, it's so effective. And I just loved, I loved the opening scene, loved it. Um, and I will admit, it did me, it gave me when it when it first hard cut to the chase, it gave me a bit of a jump scare because you you're going from such a silent environment, such a peaceful environment, to chaos in just one cut. I'm not going to snap my fingers again, but I don't want to do it. In just one cut. Beautiful stuff. 
Um, you know who also liked in this film? Daniel Kaluuya and Brian Tyree Henry. Now, Brian Tyree Henry, you might know him from Atlanta as Paperboy. Um, he's also been in... He was also in Hotel Artemis, if you've seen that this year. He was in that. And he's going to become... He's become, He's probably going to become a household name soon. He's, he's so good. Love watching him and everything he's in. But even better than him, in my opinion, especially in this movie, is Daniel Kaluuya. He is a very menacing villain. You saw it. You, you saw him as Chris and Get Out. You're like, oh, he's the good guy. And then you watch Get Out, and then you see this film where he's just the fucking complete opposite. Just this man. Just this. This kind of snake, really. Um, plays him so well. Plays a villain so well. And um, that's just you know, hats off to Kaluuya his credit. Um, there's a scene with a gun. Uh, and a dance, and that's all I'm gonna say. That was that was a really really good scene. <laughs> um, but yeah, loved loved his work. Um, the cast is just really really good across the board. You've also got his extras. You've got um, um, Carrie Coon as well as in it. From um, if you saw Fargo season three, she was a big one in Fargo season three. She's in it. Carrie Coon, but she also plays Proxima Midnight from Avengers. Um, she's in it as well as like an extra widow. Um, and then I will. I want to get to the cinematography. Now, who? I want. Uh, he's worked with Steve before, I believe. Uh, let me just get this up here on um, the old internet movie down a base. This is how you find shit out. <laughs> okay. Because this, this is there's some of the shots in this movie just are so fucking beautiful. Um, and are only like elevated by Steve McQueen's direction. Fuck, I can't find it. Where's the bloody cast? I need the whole... I need the cast and crew. Where are we going? I think... That's... There... Maybe... Oh, it's the fucking... Oh, here we go. Cinematography. Sean Bobbitt. Yes, Sean Bobbitt. Did he do any of the other ones? Yes, he worked with him. Oh, he's done... Yeah, okay, good. He's done all of his films. <clears throat> okay. Pretty well, pretty much all of them. Um, he did... I love... God, I love this. Some of the shots in shame. Oh, beautiful. Yep. Oh, yeah. Well, he's done, he's done quite a bit, hasn't he? He's done quite a bit, Mr. Bobbitt. Well, he's a, he's a... He is really, really good. Some of the shots in this movie are just beautiful. And again, they're only... Th these, these shots are assisted beautifully by Steve McQueen's direction. And you've got to think, they worked very hard on some of these some of these shots. Now, it, again, I'm saying it's a bit more commercial looking than his other films, but he he's still his style is still there. He's, he's still there. There's a one take. This is one of the best scenes, that, one of the best scenes of the year, in my opinion. I've got a lot of scenes that, like, I might even make a list of some of the best scenes of the year because this year has just, so, just been so... Um, uh, 
has, it's, I can't find a word. It's, it has a lot of, um, there's been a lot of really good scenes. There's like just scenes, shots as well, but also just good scenes that I can just pick out and say that was, that's one of the best of the year. That's one of the best of the year. It involves Colin Farrell. He gets into a car. He goes from one neighborhood to another neighborhood. And the car pans from left to right throughout the ride. And you just hear dialogue. And it's on the it's on the hood of the car. You just hear dialogue. He goes from one neighborhood to another neighborhood. And that shot, that take, one take, that says everything in just one, one shot. One, uh... Yeah, one take, really. One shot. That one shot tells a, tells a fucking story. And that's what I love about filmmaking. That one shot is so effective and powerful, it can tell you a story within a story. And that story helps elevate the message of the film. So... You check out that shot. You go to see Widows, look out for that shot. It's about... I'm going to say it's about uh, mid-near halfway through. Uh, with Colin Farrell. Gets into a car. Goes from one neighborhood to another neighborhood. And it's just on the hood of the car. Pans from left to right. It's one take. And it's just fucking beautiful. It's one of the best scenes of the year. Um, I also liked a couple of mirror shots. Um, he loves his mirror shots. <laughs> um, but they're... Uh, they were really good, and some really, and he's just, he's really good with symmetry as well, especially some background, he always plays with background, I've, from analysing Shame, I've just noticed that he puts a lot of things in the background that have a lot, have things to do with the story, or to do with character motivation, or who the character is, and there's a lot of things in the background that you got to look out for, and I, I try to look out for, definitely going to give this a second watch, to try and see if he does that, or if the studio asks him to kind of, you know, tone it down a bit, because I'll get to the, my negatives in a minute. Um, yeah. I'm still going to look out for that in the second watch. But I just noticed a couple of things. I was like, I like that. And I'm, you know, this is what I look for in a Stephen Quinn film. Some little backstory. Subtle backstory in the background. Uh, or anything to tell you about character. Um, so I want to get... There is a few things I didn't like about it. That I'm gonna, I'll get to now. Um, there's a scene with Carrie Coon's character that I just didn't think needed to be in the story. It didn't really add anything, really, to the narrative or to help me understand anything. Um, you could have had... There's another shot after that. There's another scene, actually, after that that actually just does that anyway. So I, I could have just used that. I didn't need... Um, yeah, I didn't need that... That... That, uh, that, that thing... Or maybe some they could have been uh, maybe that could have been done differently. A could a different scene could have been shot because even even the scene after that involved a lot of exposition, and there's also another a lot of exposition in other parts of the film that I wasn't really down with. And I guess that was a studio thing that he has like we're gonna put them in because the studio the audience don't understand what's going on here, so you need to like kind of you know tell them what's going on really through expositional dialogue because there's a bit of it, and um, I just you just don't need that. You don't need sometimes. If you know exactly what the filmmaker is trying to tell you through visual storytelling, you don't need exposition. Um, and also, there's one scene with Linda, who Michelle Rodriguez plays, that is just... I don't know. I just didn't... It was weird. <laughs> it was just weird. And I just it just felt really unnecessary. And that's about it. That's, that's really all the problems with it. 
Um, it's one of my f it is one of my favorites of the year because I just I really want to watch it again. Um, but I just obviously I just don't have, I don't have the money to go see it. But I really really want to watch it again because um, I had such a f good time of it. Even though I spent eight dollars fifty on a fucking frozen coke. Thanks to Van Katara. No, nothing against them. I should have known it was eight fifty, but Jesus Christ, that price is insane. Anyway, I recommend both of these films, Widows, uh, Creed Two. Definitely go see them. I think Creed Two is definitely still out, but I don't know if Widows is. I watched Widows in a movie of the week kind of thing, so that was a bit, yeah. I don't know, but definitely go see both of those films. They're really, really, really well done. You'll you'll have a good time with them. Um, finishing off, uh, Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Finally caught that. I don't really have much to say about it. It was just kind of whizzed by, even though it was fucking two hours and thirteen minutes. But um, uh, it's uh, I don't know. It's one of the Coen Brothers' weakest films, in my opinion. Um, like I liked Tim Blake Nelson as Buster Scruggs. That was cool. I like James Franco's little vignette. There's about there's six vignettes in it, and it focuses on a character. And then in the end, there's another vignette. The film just ends. And I thought it would kind of tie it all together. Maybe I missed something, but I just didn't really think it tied it all together that neatly, or, or all these stories were combined in a way at all. I'm, I just wasn't sure. I felt like I was just watching short films in a film, which is obviously what vignettes kind of are. But I was just like, I was just like, it just, and it just, some bits meander so much and drag on so long, and I just didn't need it. And, um,. Yeah, it's I don't know. I just I was quite kind of disappointed with it. Um, I I think the the only vignettes I did like were James Franco's one, uh, the cowboy one with James Franco, the second vignette, and I think the third vignette with Liam Neeson was my second favorite. Um, I liked Buster Scruggs. Tim Blake Nelson was good. Maybe that was my third vignette, my favorite. But like, there's two. There's almost Zoe Kazan that just goes for way too fucking long. Um, I'm not too sure we played the guy with the gold. I should know these probably people. I should probably know those people, but um, yeah, no, I just, I just thought it drags. Like some bits dragged, drags for so long, and other bits just kind of yeah, just don't go anywhere. Um, uh, was it? Who was it? Uh, fucking. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I can't fuck looking it up. I don't want to go for the fucking cast list again. Um, yeah, so... I, and, and Tim Blake Nelson is good. He's got a really cool singer voice as well, definitely. Um, and there's some really good physical comedy and visual gags in the first vignette with... with, um, with uh, Buster Scruggs. And then uh, you've got... Uh, more, even more. There's some really beautiful shots. I'll say that. There's some really beautiful shots in the film. Really beautiful shots. Sound design's great. Sound design's always great with Coen Brothers film, really. But the sound design really, really stood out to me, especially in the second vignette. Um, I just heard every heard everything in the environment. It was beautiful. Loved it. And I wanted to watch it on a loud television, but because I live with... I'm back with living with my family again. Um... I was told to turn it down, so I couldn't really fucking, you know, really appreciate it fully, but what I 
what I got before that. I just, yeah, it was so good. Sound design, beautiful. Some of the shots, beautiful. Some of the wides are some of the most beautiful things I've seen all year. Um, but just unfortunately, the characters I didn't really, most of the characters I didn't really care about. The stories I didn't really care about. They meandered, they dragged. And then it just kind of ends. And then I'm just like, eh. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I can... It's on Netflix, so it's not going to take... I don't know. You don't have to go out and see. You don't have to pay any money for it. But you also have to spend time with it. And there's one thing I don't want to do is waste your time. So if you're a Con Rivers fan, check it out, I reckon. Check it out if you're a Con Rivers fan. Like myself, but... Yeah, I don't know. It's definitely one of their weakest ones, in my opinion. Um, yeah, couldn't really recommend it fully but it's on Netflix so check it out if you want alright before I get to the Golden Glows I want to talk about quickly about because I have to I just have to get this off my chest I want to talk about quickly about the uh, character Captain Marvel trailer and the Avengers um, Avengers uh, fucking clip my phone again fuck Avengers 4 trailer because I, I, it's a game but I'll yeah 4 Captain Marvel trailer was, yeah, it was good. Uh, kind of just the same thing as the first one. I kind of just, I liked the teaser. I think I liked the teaser better, but this, the last shot in the second one, this trailer that came out this week, uh, last week, was really cool with her flying around with the, um, the mask and everything, with the helmet. That was really cool. I loved that. But everything else, I was just like, well, this, I don't know. I think the first one did it better. So it was kind of just like whizzing. It kind of just flew by and I was like, oh, was, all, right, all right, cool. I was going to go see it anyway, because, you know, Marvel. And then, fucking, a couple of days ago, we get the Avengers, now officially titled, Endgame, which I fucking guessed, um, but I won't get too much on it, but I'm just saying that I was telling everyone, I was like, Doctor Strange says we're in the Endgame now, in the first one, in, in um, Infinity War. So I'm just thinking, well, it's gonna be, it has to be called Endgame, right? <laughs> like, you, there's, it's no brand. It's called Endgame, and then they're gonna, they're, they're gonna call it Annihilation at one point, and then they say, well, it's not Annihilation or Endgame. So they're like, what the fuck is it gonna be? And then they release the trailer and call it Endgame. I'm like, well, fucking, there you go. <laughs> and I was like, I fucking knew it. I was right. And I just, you know, I'm, it's very rare that I'm right. It's very rare that I'm right. Um, and I like to take um, pleasure when I am right. Because um, it's not a very often occurrence. And uh, I just, you know, I felt good when it, when it said Endgame. I was just like, F yeah, I fucking knew it. <laughs> um, but yeah, woo, yeah. Uh, heavy trailer, heavy. You got Tony Stark talking to Pepper Potts for the helmet. You've got, you know, everyone was left after the snap. Uh, you've got the um, Captain, you got the four, you got the four original Avengers, and then at the end you had the Ant Man thing. I didn't think you really needed the Ant Man thing at the end, but it was a nice, funny. Like I get it. Like they showed this, they showed this really sad kind of deep trailer, and then at the end you're gonna have the visual gag that says, "All right, this is gonna be, this is gonna be some fun in this," because Ant Man's gonna be kind of like the relief, I guess. But at the, but the, but the, but the same time, I was just like, well, I don't know about, yeah, I don't know about Ant Man being in the end because he was stuck in the quantum room after Ant-Man and the Wasp so how did he get out so I kind of would have really wanted the movie to kind of answer that for me but 
We got him in the trailer. I did laugh at his line. I did say, you know, buzz me in because it's Paul Rudd and he's, I love him. Um, yeah. Overall, I was, I was happy with the trailer. I was happy with it. I was already going to go see the film anyway. You, there's no way you need to kind of convince me to see it because I'm always, I was always going to go see it. Um, like opening night. But, um, good trailer. Like how they handled it. They like, yeah, I liked how they handled it. I liked the, instead of using the Avengers theme, they used kind of a climb this orchestral music and it was really nice. And, um, it just, like, I'm ready now. Like, I'm ready. I'm just like, alright. Let's do it. We're in the end game. <laughs> uh, you know, it just got me more pumped. And I'm, I'm ready for Avengers 4 in April. Um, this is it. We're getting ready for a new generation of superheroes. This could be the last time we see Cap or Tony. So, who knows? But I'm excited. Right. For the last 10 minutes or so, maybe 15, I'm going to talk about the Golden Glow nominations that came out. Um, uh, when the fuck did they come out? <laughs> a couple of days ago. We'll just say a couple of days ago. They're out anyway. They're out, and the nominations are out, and they're, they're a bit polarizing. There's some I don't agree with at all, but I digress. Because it's just the fucking Golden Globes. It's just an award show. I shouldn't care about it, but I do because it's just, I don't know. Everything film. <laughs> right. So they've been announced. They're out. Everyone knows about them. And uh, the ceremony, I believe, is going to be in January or February. Fuck. Let me get the date up. Let me get that date. Well, oh, if I just look at the date, maybe I'll get it. Okay, they're looking at um, January second. There we go. Two thousand nine date. How many? Da 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 da. Wait, is this two thousand nineteen? Yeah. Okay, just give me the fucking story. January sixth. Jesus, that's early. Was it? Was it? Was it Golden Globes that early this year? January sixth. Okay, and they're gonna be hosted by uh, like I knew this uh, Sandra Owen oh and Andy Samberg, which is really cool because they had a really funny bit at the Emmys, I believe. They had a really funny bit then. So it's cool, cool to see them. Bit of bit of dynamic there. So let's talk about the nominees. Let's get into it. Uh, best motion picture drama, Star is Born. Yes. Black Panther. Yeah, we'll talk about that. <laughs> uh, Black Klansman. That's, yeah, I do I do think that should be there. Bohemian Rhapsody. That should be in the next one. If Bill Street could talk. I can't say anything about that because I haven't seen the film. But if they feel like it should be there, it should be there. Barry Jenkins did a fucking fantastic job in Moonlight. So, um, And this is the film he wanted to make before Moonlight, but he couldn't do it because he didn't have the money. So I'm keen to see what he does with it. But it doesn't come out here till January 26th. So, that's shit. <laughs> but yeah, um, look, Sire's Born, I'm happy with that. Black Klansman, happy with that. Pam and Rhapsody, I feel like should be in the musical comedy genre, even though it is a bit of a drama as well, yes, but it's a bit more, to like, 
I don't know. Because all these ones in comedy are just mostly comedies. And then they just got Mary Poppins Returns, which is a musical. Yeah. I don't know. I would have... It sounds weird, but I would have slotted it in that one, I think. And then I would have put fucking... I don't know, there's so many other films that deserve to be there than Black Panther. Um, that's one I really want to take out of there. Now, if that made the p impact on you or effect on you, that's great. That's so... You know, that's that's really good. That, that's what film can do, the power of film. But I just... Uh, best picture? Really? Best picture? Best picture out of all the movies we've had this year. Best picture after 8th grade. After fucking first reformed, after fucking hereditary, even like that's a good, that's a horror film, but I do count it as a family drama. Uh, yeah, Quiet Place. Um, what was the other one I saw the other week? There's a lot of indies here that were, were snubbed, but they're always going to be snubbed because they're indie films anyway. So, but yeah, 8th grade. I think 8th grade could have been in there because we have Elsie Fisher as a Best Actress thing, which is a fucking pleasant surprise. That's beautiful to see. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Black, I'm just not down with Black Panther being a Best Picture nomination. And now because that's going to happen, um, I'm going to get over it, obviously. But now because that's going to happen... That's probably going to get nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars. I just don't think it deserves that honor. It's a good film. It's a good film. It's got great music. It's got good performances. It's got a great villain. But there's other aspects of that movie that just don't make it... Like, I don't know. It's just... It wasn't the best... Well, Infinity War was a hundred times better than it. But Infinity War does, yes, does have that weight of just having all the films, you know, it, it been a combination of so many films throughout the years. I, I don't know, I just wasn't... There's so many other films that could take that spot, but that's there, I guess. So, yeah. I'm gonna... Oh, yeah, I'll get over it. <laughs> I just... I'll be bitching about it to my friends, but I'm not gonna say anything about it here, but it's just... There's just so many other films that could take its spot. Leave No Trace, even. Deborah Granick. Um, yeah. Widows. <laughs> but no, Black Panther's there. Um, best motion picture musical comedy, Crazy Rich Asian. Good film. Loved it. Uh, well, didn't love it, but I, I had a really good time with it. Favorite. Haven't seen it. Thank, holy shit, I want to see it so badly. I fucking love Yorgos Lanthimos. I want to fucking see this movie so badly. <laughs> Um, Dogtooth, Lobster, Killing the Sacred Deer. I mean, Emma Stone, Rachel Weisz, and fucking Olivia Coleman. Ah, oh, thank you. I'll have it now, please. In a script, you know, not written by Yorgos, I don't think, this time, but directed by him, in, in, in being in, in his world, his universe, I fucking want that now. <laughs> but we don't get it to Boxing Day, so, um, you lucky Americans. Green Book, I can't say much about that. I haven't seen it yet. I've seen the trailer. Was was just eh at the trailer, but uh, it's a very Oscar bait film, people have been saying, so but apparently the performance is good, Viggo Mortensen's good and Mahesh Raleigh's good, so 
I can't say much about that. Mary Poppins Returns, again, I can't say much about that because I haven't seen it, and Vice, I haven't can't say much about that ever because I haven't seen it, but I've heard Vice is getting really good reviews and performances around are great, so I guess, I guess that's good. Um, again, even if, even if, because it has a few, has a lot of funny moments, eighth grade, sorry to bother you. Um... Uh, yeah, just like, where the f... I'd take out... Because people are, people are arguing that Green Book is not even a comedy. It should be in the drama. So put it up in the drama. Take out Green Book and put in... Um, sorry to bother you. But that movie is just insane. So the... the I, I guess the Hollywood Foreign Press are going to look at that and say, what the fuck? So, you know, they, they always choose, like, films that are you know, across the board. Very broad uh, ones. But I like the last surprise. I like the feather favourites there. That's good. Um, yeah. Uh, best director motion picture. Adam McKay for Vice. Alfonso Coran for Roma. I'm also really keen for Roma. Um, I haven't seen it yet. Bradley Cooper for A Star Is Born. Peter Farrelly for Green Book. And Spike Lee for Black Klansman. I don't take any issue with that list at all. Um... Yeah. It'd be really cool if Bo Burnham was there for 8th grade, but I don't know. But yeah, no, I, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't have really, don't really have any issues with that, because I haven't seen two of the films, so I can't really say anything there. Um, I've heard Roma is beautiful, and um, I really want to see it anyway. Very, it's apparently his most personal film yet, so, keep for that. Um, but unfortunately, we're only, we're only going to get that. On Netflix here in Australia, I don't think we get any screenings, and I really want to see that on a big screen. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't get it. Best performance by an actress in a motion picture drama: Glenn Close, The Wife; Lady Gaga, A Star Is Born; Melissa McCarthy, Can You Ever Forgive Me; Nicole Kidman, Destroyer; and Rosamund Pike, A Private War. I thought Glenn Close was great in The Wife. So that's a, that's a real deserved spot. Lady Gaga, of course, is going to be there for A Star Is Born. Performance is good, but yeah. Melissa McCarthy, Can You Ever Forgive Me? Haven't seen that film, but I've heard she's good. Nicole Kidman, Destroyer, haven't seen the film, but I've heard she's good. Rosamund Pike, Private War, haven't, searched, haven't seen a film, but I've heard she's good. Yeah, um... Where the fuck's Tony Collette? <laughs> um, I'm sure Melissa McCarthy's good in it, Can You Ever Forgive Me? I'm sure it's, like, emotional. Um, Lady Gaga is great in A Star Is Born. But Tony Collette in Hereditary goes on a fucking journey in her face with emotion. And just like, like what? Take out one of these at least. Um, again, it's not really fair on my part to say this because I haven't seen two of these films. No, three of these films actually. But I don't know. Like I just think that she was better than Lady Gaga. But again, you know, Star is one of she's going to get pushed for Oscar buzz, and it's definitely got a lot of Oscar buzz getting pushed for Oscars. It's, it's one of my f top five favorite meals of the year, but I just think that Tony Collette did a fucking incredible job in Hereditary, and she's not even getting, like, any recognition for this performance. It is so. It's just. She just. just sheds herself in this film. And she's not getting anything for it. She's not getting no recognition. And I don't care, you know, 
at the end of the day, I'm not going to care if she doesn't get an award or anything. I'm still going to think she's one of the best fucking performances of the year. But she's not even to not even get a recognition, just recognition. Yeah, I, I just think that was a big snub. I think Tony Collette was just incredible in that film. Best performance brand actress in a motion picture musical or comedy. Constance Wu, Crazy Rich Asians, yes. Charlie Theron, Tully, yes. Elsie Fisher, eighth grade. Love to see that. Loved to see that. That was really good. And I didn't think that was just because they want to have a kid in there. Her performance in that movie is really, really, really good. And that's again to Bo Burnham's direction. So he should be in directors. Emily Blunt, Mary Poppins Returns. I haven't seen that. Olivia Colman, The Favourite. Okay, yes. Now this is where it gets, this is where it's apparently it's getting tricky here. Best performances by an actress in a supporting role in any motion picture. Amy Adams for Vice. When's Amy Adams going to get an award? God damn. Claire Foy for First Man. Haven't seen First Man. Emma Stone, The Favourite. Rachel Vice The Favourite. And Regina King, If Beale Street Could Talk. Regina King, I believe, won the Emmy for seven seconds at the, at, at the Emmys. So maybe they could, they could pretty much, she could keep riding that train and get this um, Golden Globe for Bill Street Could Talk. I haven't seen the film, so I can't really say anything about performance. I haven't seen, I haven't seen any of these films, <laughs> so I can't say anything about these. Good list, though. Stacked list. Um, if I think of any... Um, oh, also, before I move on to supporting actress, um, Emily Blunt in Quiet Place for lead actress. Her performance is incredible. Um, I'm just trying to think of any more supporting roles for women throughout. I mean, you could even put, for the best actress, even for Golden Globes, you could even put uh, Olivia Cook for Thoroughbreds. Or, um, what's her name? God damn it, what's her fucking name? Um... Uh, fucking Anya Taylor-Joy, that's it. Fucking Anya Taylor-Joy, Olivia Cook, Firebreds. Firebreds is a very, very underrated film, I think. Um, I've seen it three times now. Very underrated film. One of the best of the year. And, yeah, we did, we dance, uh, I'd like, Tully's throne was cool. That was good to see. She was really good in Tully. Um, again, Tully's not really a comedy, though. Like, there's some funny bits in it, but I'd, I'd definitely say Tully's more of a drama. Um, but if you want to Whack it in there, I guess. Pull a marsh and whack it in there. Sure. Whatever. Um. Oh, I can't think of any more. You know what? That's fine. That list is fine. I can't really think of any more. Best performance by an actor in a motion picture drama. Bradley Cooper, A Star is Born. Of course, that's there. John, J Dave John David Washington, Black Klansman. Yes. Lucas Hedges, Boy Erased, Rami Malek, Rohini Rhapsody, and Willem Dafoe at Eternity's Gate. I haven't seen at Eternity's Gate about the movie about uh, Vincent Van Gogh. Willem Dafoe is always good. Rami Malek for Bohemian Rhapsody is probably going to take that. Um, his performance as Freddie Mercury is transformative and he becomes a different person, so that's very... he should be there. Bradley Cooper is really good too. Uh, John David Washington was really good in Black Klansman. Lucas Hedges, Boy Erased, haven't seen it, heard it's good. Heard his performance is good, but the film around it is kind of... Eh. Um, okay, really. 
well, not like not shit, but like not as good as his performance. So look, look, this list is good too. But I want to give a shout out to Ethan Hawke for First Reformed because that is incredible. If he doesn't get an Oscar nomination, there's something wrong with the Academy. Um, he's so fucking good in First Reformed. Uh, anything else I need to think of from here? No, I don't think I need to put anything else here. I think it's a good list. I'm happy with that list. Again, I don't know. What I don't even know who to take out here. Maybe. I think Cooper's direction was better than his acting. But then, again, again, it's one of the best performances I've seen from him, so... Oh, man, it's hard. But Ethan Hawke, man. He should be there. Uh, best performance for an actor in a motion picture musical comedy. Christian Bale, Vice, John C. Riley, Stanton, Ollie, Linmore, Miranda, Mary Poppins Returns, Robert Redford, The Old Man and the Gun, Viggo Mortensen, Green Book. Yeah. I haven't seen any of these films. <laughs> so, I'm just going to say, good list. Uh, best performance by an actor in a supporting role in Motion Picture. Adam Driver, Black Klansman, yes. Motion Ali, Green Book, haven't seen it. Richard E. Grant, Can You Forgive Me, haven't seen it. Sam Rockwell, Vice, haven't seen it, but I'm, obviously it's going to be good. Um, and Timothy Chalamet, for Beautiful Boy, haven't seen it, but I've heard it's a good film. So, if he's getting supporting, is Steve Carell getting... So Steve Krill's not getting nomination there? People, Because people are thinking that he's got stumped as well. Um, look, good list. Out of this, I'd probably ever go... Because I haven't even seen the, seen the films yet. I don't know. Sam Rockwell or Timothy Chalamet. Adam Driver was good, but I wouldn't give him the award for it. Even though I love Adam Driver. <laughs> Best screenplay motion picture. Adam McKay, Vice, Alfonso Coran, Roma, Barry Jenkins, if Bill Street Could Talk, and The Favourite by Deborah Davis and Tony Ma McNamara 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 yeah and Nick Vallelonga Brian Curry and Peter Farrelly Green Book sorry Nick about screwing up your name there uh yeah good um I mean in terms of mine picks I don't know sorry to bother you should be there um Eighth grade, I put that there as well. Uh, there's a lot I put there, but again, they're not going to get they're not going to get recognition. So, sure, uh, that good list is good. Uh, the score and songs I don't really need to go into. I don't really need to go into that. And animated animated pictures, Incredibles two, Isle of Dogs, Mariah, Ralph breaks in that Spider Man to the Spider Verse. That's a very fucking strong list. I haven't seen Mariah or Ralph breaks in that. I've seen it. Uh, I'm seeing Spider-Man this week, and I'm seeing Incredibles 2 and Isle of Dogs. I've seen those. Isle of Dogs is really, really good. Um, not my favorite Wes Anderson, but it was a really good film. Really, really competently made. Uh, Incredibles 2 was a very solid sequel to the first one. Really enjoyed it. Maybe just not, maybe as on par with the first one. I'd say on par. Ralph breaks in, and I've heard, I'm hearing weird stuff about Spider-Man's The Spider-Verse. I'm hearing is one of the best films of the year. So. Um, definitely came for that, and we'll see how that goes, I guess. Um, in television, I'm not going to go into, because that's not my thing. Um, I do like television, but I'm not going to talk about television on this, on this podcast. So, those are my thoughts on the Golden Globe nominations. Um, do you agree with me? Do you disagree with me? Um, again, I always encourage discourse. But, 
yeah, some things I think should be worse snubbed and should be there, and other things like uh, sure. But yeah, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. It's the Golden Globes. It's not really. It's as terms of awards ceremonies, not the most prestigious. Um. But the thing about this Golden Globes is that shapes the way of the Oscars, and and that I don't know. It's look for, for some of the Oscar nominations here. I don't know. I just don't see. I don't know, man. It's I shouldn't be that upset about it, but if Black Panther gets a Best Picture nomination, I don't know. I thought Wonder Woman is just as good as Black Panther, and Wonder Woman didn't get the Best Picture nomination. Wonder Woman just fell apart in that third act. That was it. Black Panther has aspects in it that were just like, eh. And it was kind of like, I just think it's, I don't know, I just think it's a bit overrated. So, I don't know. What I feel if it gets, if it gets it. But at the same time, you're like, well, that's the first, kind of, well, one of the first superhero films to get a nomination. Um, and it was a really big milestone for, um, you know, people of color and, and diversity in film. Make got a lot of people jobs, a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of jobs for people. So, you know, I, I'm not really, I'm not mad about it, but I'm at the same time, it's like, I just don't think it's worthy, in my opinion, of Best Picture. My opinion. There's just so many other films. And it's not just saying that this is a shit film. There's just so many other films here that just are better than it. That are better made and are just better, in my opinion. But, you know, we'll see when it comes around and rolls around. We'll see what happens. Um, yeah, so those are my thoughts. Uh, go check out Creed 2, Widows, Buster Scrolls on Netflix. Check it out if you want to. But definitely check out those first two films. I recommend those highly. And... Um, Golden Globes are on January 6, 2019. Tuning in, I will be. Tuning in, I will be. Oh, my fucking Yoda. Um, and then you've got the Academy Awards again. Um, well, some of that shit that wasn't there. Kevin Hart and everything. I'm not going to get into that, but... Whew, some heavy stuff there. Um, I'm, I'm running a bit too, bit too much over time here, so I'm going to cut it off here. Um, there were some other things I really wanted to talk about as well and discuss, but I just... Again, I just don't have time for it. Um, but yeah... I just want to mention one thing before I sign off. Um, I'm thinking about getting a second microphone because people have been asking to come onto the podcast and um, have a chat. And because I've only got one microphone, we have to sit next to each other. And then it's kind of, I don't know, it's a bit weird. I remember I did my list podcast with um, my uh, best buddy, uh, Jordan. And we had to sit there. I said, I sat on the right, he sat on the left, and we had the microphone between us, and it was, you know, it was fun and everything, but we had to, like, kind of lean in to kind of, you know, talk into the microphone. So, there's a couple of sales going on with a few other microphones that I'm looking at to look, look at to get to better improve, because my only, my only goal with this podcast is, is always to improve the quality and um, make it the best thing I can make it. Um, and that would be, and people have said that you should get some guests on and talk about films of some guests. And I'm, you know, I'll, I'll think, I'm thinking about that in the moment. It's getting a little busy towards the year, but maybe next year, maybe in the new year, we'll look at some getting some guests on. I'm definitely going to have a guest on for the list podcast, but, um, and that could either be my, you know, Jordan again, or it could be a new person. 
which, you know, to shake it up a bit. And that could be after getting a second microphone. So I'm almost looking into, you know, investing in a second microphone and getting a mixer and and seeing how we'd, you know, how would that happen and play off each other because, you know, you do get sick of talking yourself in, you know, you know, being on your own. And it'd be nice to have, you know, you know kind of bounce your thoughts off of someone. So I'm um, definitely looking into getting that. I've I've heard your, you know, your questions and everything. Um, we're looking at, we are, it's just me running this thing. Uh, I'm looking at, you know, getting guests on in the new year and talking to people about different other films as well. Looking at different um, topics I can talk about, not just the latest films that are out and everything, but like different things we can get involved with, like favorite movies, favorite rom-coms was the one I'm gonna, I was going to visit with someone. Um, because rom-coms are a very big kind of they they're always they always like a sweet spot for me they always they always hit it even the terrible ones yep um there's plenty to do that so yeah definitely looking into that looking into new and better things in the new year um as we come to a close but i'm not going to say it's the last podcast of the year there's definitely a lot more um things to go. I might even talk next week about Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse and some other films that I've checked out. <clears throat> uh, but uh, but look look forward to the list podcast. It, it'll be coming. It'll be coming either before New Year's or after New Year's. I don't know when I did the last one, but it was. I think it was the day after New Year's. Um, after New Year's Day, I think it was the second or the third. But I'll be having, I'll definitely be having a guest on for that one. And um, if you want to do any other, yeah, if you want to listen to any other podcasts in the year and get some guests, some guests on, let me know. And I can reach out to some people and get them on. If you want to be on the podcast yourself, uh, definitely get in touch and we can see if we can get you on. Um, I can see if I can get you on. Definitely, I will look at doing that. <coughs> Excuse me. I'll definitely look at that after I get my second microphone. But at the moment, I'm having a bit of you know, not financial troubles, but like kind of working out if I should spend my money on this or this, invested in this, this, uh, just a lot of decisions need to be made. So definitely looking at changing that up. So yeah, hope you enjoyed this one. Um, what is it? Fucking Wednesday, Tuesday now, Tuesday. Uh, yeah. Enjoy the rest of your week. Uh, Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse comes out this week. Overlord came out next week, uh, last week, so I might might even see Spider-Man and Overlord and talk about them next week, but those are out. Um, And I think you've also got Can You Forgive Me is out as well, so maybe I'm going to do a triple feature. But there's movies out there. Go watch them. There's some really good ones on Netflix as well, so check those out as well. And have a great, safe week, and I'll talk to you next time.